Hello, this is Wayne Highlander, National Sales Manager of Bold Adhesives. And I'm Rob Johnson, the 2020 Super Bowl MVP. Hmm. Your team won, huh? No, actually, my team was watching it. Oh, ouch. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a good game, a really good game. Uh, <clears> I, I kind of thought the Niners were going to win because of their defense, but uh, I don't. I didn't have a dog in the fight. I just wanted you know, I was hoping for a good game, and it turned out a really good game, I thought. That was a shocker. That fourth quarter was unbelievable by yeah. Kansas City. Yeah, but then, and I think they won all of their postseason games coming from behind. So you got to kind of tip your hat to them. Yeah, no question. That quarterback's a great young kid for sure. I mean, uh, the Patriots can't win every single year, you know. No, I, I think that uh, I think eighty percent of the audience was just happy they weren't in it this year. So that uh, we'll be a back. success. We'll be back next year. <laughs> I wouldn't bet against you. Don't don't you love how uh, people who follow teams say we like you know I'm part mm-hmm. of the organization I'm part of the Patriot yeah. organization right well, we'll <laughs> we'll be back next year yeah thank God we got Johnson on our side <laughs> you know um, I think most of all I was hope I was happy for the uh, coach of Kansas City uh, he's been around a long time and he's never won a Super Bowl so it's pretty cool to see that so yeah yeah. So this uh, episode, we're going to talk about uh, the best advice you ever got in business. So I think I've gotten some a lot of bad advice, probably more bad advice than, than good advice, but uh, <laughs> we can talk about a few, a few of both of them. Absolutely. All right. You want me to get started? Yeah. I got, yeah, well, like you said, we've had all sorts of advice given to us, you know, through the years, giving out advice, taking advice. But I think really, if I had to just choose one, and I know we're going to talk about a few, but if I had to just choose one, I think this was the best that was ever given to me ever. I mean, like I said, we had tons of them, but the best, I, I had left the family business, started my own company. Uh, it was, you know, a tough time. It was the eighties. So, you know, business was hit and miss and everything. And, uh, you know, I started to question myself on whether I had made the right choice, uh, you know, and taking my family down the path of, uh, of starting my own business and everything and putting them through that, you know, at the time I had two kids, wife and two kids and, you know, quit the family and everything, quit the, and started my own thing. So after about two years of really slugging it out and everything, um, you know, a couple of buddies of mine were in the insurance business and, you know, and you're in the insurance business and, you know, all work is honorable. I'm not busting on any, but, but not a lot of heavy lifting in the insurance business, you know? And, um, well, one of my pals, his dad owned a big, big insurance company here in Albany, New York. And I thought, you know, maybe, maybe I should get into the business. I can talk and, you know, I'm, I think I'm a pretty smart guy and everything. So, uh, I talked to him and he goes, yeah, you know, talk to my dad. So I went, sat in this guy's big office. His name was Dave Cook. Awesome, awesome guy. Uh go to his office, 
walk in, sit down, kind of, you know, feeling him out and talking to him. And he said, so Kevin tells me that uh, you, you might be looking for a job. I go, yeah, you know, I, I'm thinking of making a change. And he said, um, I'd love to have you. You know, I've known you since you were a kid. You're a great guy. And he said, but, the, you know, the issue that you have is if you come to work for me, I have to start you on the bottom. You understand that, correct? I said, yeah, yeah, I understand. And he said, have you looked into your own industry? You've been doing this all your life. There's got to be ev- different avenues for you to to try in your own industry, in the wood floor industry, rather than completely change industries and start all over again. He said, you've got you know, 10, 15, however many years going in this industry, why don't you look at distribution, sales, training, things like that, if you're thinking that you want to get out of the business. And that was like a revelation for me. And I think that was the best piece of advice I ever got from anybody. Um, you were, were leaving the family business. That's got to be tough. It was, um, it was very tough. It was very mm. tough. Some people were angry. Some people were hurt. Um, some people felt betrayed. But um, I, I don't know if you ever. Well, I know you've worked in a family business, but our, my family business was starting to get a little crowded with uncles and cousins and brothers and. <laughs> 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 so there are some other reasons that I had to leave the yeah. family business. Yeah. Uh, the other one was, you know, when, you know, our family business was a lot of travel. Yeah. We were on the road. You know, I mean, we were on the road every week. So, uh, you know, having two young kids and falling by herself, I just grabbed that opportunity to stay at home, you know? Yeah. Nice. Not have to travel doing, you know, jumping into the residential business and not have to travel so much. It's uh, it's scary taking that leap, right? I mean, it uh, was uh, into the unknown. Yeah. I I remember uh, another little piece of advice I got during that whole thing is, uh, you know, I thought, well, I got to sit down and talk to Pauline about this first. You know, I mean, um, you know, this is affects her as much as it's going to affect me. So I sat down and I said, you know, I put all the cards on the table and, you know, here's where I think it's going and here's what I think I should do. And, you know, Peter's going to come with me and we're thinking of doing this and that. And I don't want to make a move without you. If you're not comfortable, I won't do it. You know, on and on and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. And when I get all done, my pitch with her, she just looks at me and she said, just make money. <laughs> pretty simple <laughs> that was it <laughs> just make money mm-hmm. I always thought that should be my tattoo just yeah. make money <laughs> um, alright I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start out with the worst advice I ever got <laughs> I uh, you know I lived in Europe for, for a while growing up as a kid and uh, we lived in Germany for about a year and a half and um playing soccer with some other kids and some American kids. There are some German kids, you know, we had happened to meet at the park and, um, 
this one the one German kid we're playing against is, I mean, he's way too aggressive, right? You know, we're just a friendly soccer game, and and uh, he's he's pushing a little bit too aggressively and, and what have you. And finally, he, he he trips me intensely, trips me to the ground. There's no question about it. I get back up, and I'm kind of brushing off my knees. And I'm looking at this kid, and my buddy goes, and this is the worst advice I've ever gotten. He's big, but he looks like he's out of shape. I think you can take him. So I take off my Adidas jacket at the time. I throw it on the ground. You know, I, I throw my hands up and I'm fighting this kid. You ever heard the expression heavy hands? Like a boxer's got heavy hands. Yeah, every, oh, yes. This kid yeah. might have been big, it might might have been out of shape, but my God, every time he hit me that the power behind those punches was incredible. So early on in this fight, it wasn't going good for me. So I, rather than take these punches, I, I got in close to him to grab his shirt collar, you know, to start hitting him. And then he, he, he tossed me to the ground. And then it was like, I was in a blender. And <laughs> at that point in time, if you would ask me, you know, Wayne, do you, do you speak German? I would have truthfully told you, no, I don't. I don't speak German. But the, the the mind is a powerful thing, you know. I think it it reached back into my subconscious, and, and I, I I brought up all kinds of German's word words. I I remember saying halt and nine <laughs> and and uh, nine nine it, nine yes and octum, which I think I saw in in the old. Uh, what was that? All right. So you watch a lot of Hogan's here. That, that's where I got it. I'm pretty sure that's where I got it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was talking about Deutsch. It sounds like the rest of your team was like, I see nothing. Yeah. Thanks for yeah. stopping, boys. Yeah. That's when I realized that sometimes your friend's, friend's advice is sometimes the worst advice. But, um, you know, when I reflect back on that, I think it was a, I think it's a lesson in life that everybody needs to go through. Because it was after that that most of my confrontations, instead of ending up like that, would end up like me saying, like, uh, listen, if there, sir, if there's any way that I've offended your wonderful honor, I sincerely apologize. And uh, it's because I, I, I think there's a tipping point between common sense and, and, uh, and your ego and, and uh, I, I think that uh, your pride and those type of things. And that was a lesson I learned early on in life. I can't believe you had the, a heavy hand story because not I. I'm sorry, but I got to tell mine. Okay. Um, you know, I played hockey most of my life. Played hockey and uh, men's league stuff. So one, uh, there's been a few games in a row where I was doing pretty good and you know winning some scuffles and really starting to feel like I am you know one of the toughest guys that ever lived. <laughs> And we're skating warm-ups, and I notice on the other team, there's a guy skating warm-ups wearing a, a Yankee batting helmet, you know, just cruising around. And it's a decent-sized guy, you know, nothing too big. So I looked at everybody on my team, I go, that's him. He's he's going down the first period. <laughs> yeah, so I square off with this guy. And he hits me with one punch. He just threw the glove and hit me with one punch. And you said heavy hands. It felt like I had been hit in the face with the end of a telephone pole. 
<laughs> Down I go. And this guy, you know, hops on top of me and starts, you know, going to town. Well, at least the guys on my team like me. You know, they broke it mm -hmm. up pretty quick because I was just praying to God that somebody please stop this guy. You know, a couple guys on my team are like, that was a great one. You you really went down swinging, though. Literally, as you were going down, you were throwing haymakers, but it was kind of funny. <laughs> but I think the best part, the best part of that is after the game, I went looking for the guy and said, hey, man, no, no hard feelings, you know, because I never wanted to be yeah. hit that guy ever again. So I'm like, you know, no hard feelings, man. Right. We cool. Are we cool? He's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. We're cool. <laughs> you know, we'll get off these these boxing stories in a minute. But you remind me, uh, I used to have a friend who was a, was a Golden Gloves boxing champion. And, you know, you know, at that time, how much that hurt when that guy punched you in the face. Right. And most oh people, my God. yeah, most people learn that, you know, you really don't want to do that. But there's guys that I realize that that's what they do for fun. And <laughs> the problem about having a friend who is a Golden Gloves boxing champion is that when we would go out at night, it was like he thought like we were Golden Gloves boxing champions, <laughs> you know, and causing, you know, threatening to get in fights with, you know, two or three or four guys when it's me and him. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know. You know I, I go to work the next day, man. But I will say, <laughs> you ever see a 70-year-old man get in a fight? Like an old, old guy get in a fight? It's, Did it's, you see? There was, a, there was a video going around of that. A guy, an old guy in a bus. No. Oh, uh, that I do. Yeah, about that kid. He destroyed that kid. Yeah. Well... To me, there's something there's it's ugly when you see a couple of old guys fight, man, but there's also there's something I, I really admire about that. I mean, the spirit so uh, of uh, you know that you still got it, you know what I mean that you know <laughs> at seventy some odd years old, you're still willing to get in a fight. It pretty is you know it's pretty cool. so society That's some really good advice there, everybody from Wayne. Yeah. If you're an old guy, go out and duke it out at the Walmart parking lot with somebody who took your space. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, uh, advice. One advice that I was given uh, early on is uh, don't fall in work with – don't fall in love with your work. And I didn't understand it at the time. Uh, but uh, I, I, I realized over time what he meant. And that is, um, you know, you're, you're – doing such really high level detailed work and you keep ratcheting it up and ratcheting up and, and, you know, and, and if, you know, taking it to an extreme uh, on, on your work where that it makes sense profitably profitability wise, you know what I mean? Uh, are, are you going above and beyond and beyond on all these jobs to where, you know, it doesn't, um, it doesn't, you're not getting paid for it. Uh, and a lot of the stuff we were doing, to meet our own expectations and nobody else's. So, uh, you know, and, and it goes to also making time for other things in your life, uh, your family and that kind of stuff. So when he, he said, don't fall in love with your work, it was an old, old business guy that told me that. And over time I started to understand what he was, what he was talking about. That's a good one. When I left the family business, my grandfather, um, it's funny out of everybody, he wasn't the one that was really upset. You know, we, him and I stayed really close. Mm -hmm. um, 
but he gave me some great advice too. I remember he took me aside and he pulled me in his office. We sat down, we started talking and he said, you know, I know you love doing it. I know you love the craft. I know you love the, the, you know, the tool end of it. And he said, but be a businessman first. Yeah. Be a businessman first and a craftsman second if you're going to go start your own business. He said, because there's so much going on behind the scenes. He, he said, and sometimes you can be the best craftsman out there and do the most amazing work. But if you're not a good businessman, you, you're just going to be that. You're just not going to make the money. And I think I've seen that too, you know, doing trainings and everything where you see some guys who are gifted when yeah. it comes to floors. But um, they neglect the business end of it, and that's where they could really, I'm not saying set themselves apart, but make more money. Yeah, it's interesting. There's all kinds of uh, guys in this in this trade. Um, you know, there's, there's, there, we talked about before, there's, there's guys that don't know really much about floors at all. They're business people and they're highly successful. You know, they put people in the right place and uh, that it's their business acumen that, um, that, that leads to their success. And then there's guys that are highly skilled craftsmen that are not necessarily, you know, uh, great business guys, but it also depends on what you want out of this. You know, what, what is, where you get your satisfaction from, you know, there's guys that they're completely happy with, uh, with just working by themselves. And there's guys that have, you know, 10 and 12 crews out there. So, uh, I think that's one thing probably we should, we should say too now, Rob, is that, you know, you and I talk a lot about this. We don't want to be preachy to guys, you know what I mean, uh, um, you know, in these podcasts. You know, everybody comes from different backgrounds, different circumstances and what have you. Just, uh, um, you know, what's what's defined as success from one guy to the other is could be completely different. Um, I, if you ask me one thing that really changed my mindset the most uh, as a contractor and really what I can say was the most eye-opening um, thing I've ever done, and it was read the E Myth book for contractors. Because um, uh, say that again. There's a book called E Myth for Contractor. It's E dash M Y T H Contractor, and Mike. E-Myth. Yeah, Michael Gerber is the author, and it's interesting because. As I was reading this book, and I don't read at, at the time, I didn't read a whole lot of books on business. But um, every page I turned, it was also turning my stomach because I was the guy in that book. You know, this this one person in the book, the lady, she owned a pie shop, and she could never expand. She could never get any bigger because it was only her that could make the pie. You know, she made the best pie in town. Everybody would recognize that, but she struggled to get any bigger or, or grow her business because everybody wanted her to be there to make those pies. And it just tells you how the business can own you or you own the business. And uh, I really thought that uh, that's the only advice I really pass on to a lot of guys because it made a difference in my life. And it's interesting. I was talking to a distributor. It was a Jansen distributor, not a, not a, a Harbor floor distributor, but uh, he had uh, uh, three locations. He was very successful. And I asked him, I said, how did you get to, how did you grow to be so big? And uh, he said, you know, I, I, I could never, I could never grow. I had one business, one location, 
And I was at the point in my life where I thought, you know what? I guess this is this is it. This is as, as good as it's going to get. And he said, one day this guy came in. <clears throat> and he's a young kid, fresh out of college, and he said, there's going to be a there's going to be a, a presentation we'd like you to go to. It's on the Emith uh, book for contractors. And uh, he goes, I don't, I don't, you know, what's this kid, <coughs> kid going to teach me? He said, but I decided to go. And he said, and I was listening to that speech. He said. It was like I was the one in the book, and this guy's telling me I, I didn't I didn't tell him about my experience with this book, and um, he said I was as I was listening to that guy I was making every mistake that that guy said in the book. He said anyhow I followed the regimen that they suggested and what have you, and then he goes and I bought the second second location now the third location, and he points to and I told him my story I said I can't believe you're telling me this because I had the exact same reaction and uh, as you did. And uh, so I think that's what we're talking about. Great piece of advice. All right, folks, you heard it. E-Myth. E-Myth for Contractors. That's what it's called, yeah. E-Myth for yeah. Contractors. Yeah, and he's, he's then come out with some several different books. I mean, one is E-Myth Mastery, and, uh, but I'd start with E-Myth Book for Contractors. Yeah. Do they have it like books on tape? I don't, oh, I don't like reading I'm sure it's I'm sure it is. It's probably everywhere. You know what? Maybe some night in the hotel, you could just call me up and read it to me. I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that olive oil voice of yours. Absolutely. That'd be nice. Um, actually, I got a terrible voice for, uh, I learned that working with you, as a matter of fact. Uh, you, you got, you got, <laughs> you, got, you got a pretty good voice. Um, I can, I can yell. That's about it. Oh, do you remember the first school we did together? Um, I was just, uh, in fact, I should do a podcast one time about transitioning from a contractor to a sales rep. Um, one, I, when I did that, I had no idea that I was afraid to talk in public. Never, it never dawned on me until I got the job because, you know, as a contractor, you talk in front of three or four people or the homeowner, maybe an architect, a designer or whatever, but not a room full of 50 people. And, uh, that was an experience, but the first time I did it, I was trying to get everybody's attention. And, uh, you know, I, I can command a room like a 13 year old girl, you know, I got no, no presence at all. And, uh, you looked at me and you went, Oh my God. And then you, you know, with your deep bellowing voice, you got the attention of everybody in the room. So yes, it's my coaching. Voice. That's what it is. Huh? That's my, that's my coaching voice. Yeah. Yep. Scary. So advice. I said earlier that um, some of the best advice you get is from strangers. Your friends aren't necessarily some some of the best advice you'll get. Like stranger advice, we like you know, don't split a pair of tens when you're at a blackjack table. I, I turned 21 in Reno, Nevada, and uh, to celebrate, I you know went, went with some buddies, and I went out, went there to to Reno the casinos, and and I was playing blackjack with about five people at the table, me being one of them, and. Um, I got a pair of tens and I split them and the disgust with the rest of the guys at the table was palpable. And these are all older guys, you know, and, uh, uh, I split the tens and the dealer looks at me like I'm an idiot. And I am, you know, you don't split a pair of tens and the kid, the guy next to me, an old guy goes, Oh, geez, kid, what are you doing? What are you doing? You never split a pair of tens. And then the guy next to him wasn't paying attention. He was smoking a cigarette, looking at the other day. He goes, what do you do? He goes, he split a pair of tens. He goes, ah, oh, God, what an idiot. What's the matter with you, kid? Why would you split a pair of tens? Now, 
you know, everybody gets their cards and I, and I hit the first 10 and I get like a 14 and the guy goes, that's why you don't split tens, you dummy. So I hit it again and I busted. Get the, you had a, I had a winning hand. hand. I get the next one. I get a third. Yeah. She's showing a nine. I get the next card and it's a three. I hit that and I bust that. But not only did I bust both of mine that now everybody that took a card, it screwed up everybody's hands. Yeah. And so the guy that picked up his chips next to me, he was walking off. And, and as he walked off, I hear him go, idiot. <laughs> so you're. That is exactly why I stopped playing blackjack, yeah. is because I didn't really know what that good. And all I did was piss people off. The yeah. Table. Yeah. And man, that was, uh, I know the exact, exactly what you were going through. And it actually. That's why I, that's why I play craps now. Yes, you just everybody's throwing dice. You're not <laughs> you're not taking other people's cards and getting getting people. There you go. All right, Rob. What's some more? I got some. I got some. Uh, my dad. My dad actually gave me some great advice and some of the worst advice. Um, one of the best pieces of advice my dad ever gave me was. Uh, back when I was in high school, and you know the story, you know I had that '67 Chevelle, and I was I was hell on wheels. I was I was the scourge of the town. Okay, <laughs> I mean that car and me were <laughs> Dukes of Hazard had nothing on me. I, I'd have run mm. them off the road. Okay, and got to a point where my insurance was canceled by multiple multiple tickets. Um, it was. I had one cop pull me over and he said, I don't want to ever see this piece of, you know, what on the car on the road again. So I painted it gray the next day. So he wouldn't <laughs> see it. It was brilliant. You know, I was 20. So mm -hmm. 19, I don't know, something like that. So my dad said to me, you know, um, I think it's time you got rid of the, the race car there, kid, because you're going to end up dead or in jail one of the two, he goes, you should get a van. He goes, sooner or later, you're going to need a van anyways for what we do. He goes, if you had a van, you know, I could give you some mileage money and, you know, we could use it for work and on and on and on. So instead of going out and buying a work van, I bought like, uh, I don't know, looks looked almost like the Scooby-Doo mystery machine. You know, it had the psychedelic, paintings on the side and carpeted and everything had a couch. Nice. I mean, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was the classic seventies. It really was the classic seventies van, but that van also led me to Pauline. It was Halloween and she came into the bar dressed like a mouse. I probably told this story a thousand times, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a sexy mouse. You know how girls Yeah, because some mouses are sexy. For how yeah, you know, sexy devil, yeah. sexy witch, you, you know what yeah. I mean? Sexy mouse, sexy fox. Yeah. No, she came in, it, it looked like she was wearing a sleeping bag. I mean, it was really, you know, a big mouse, big gray mouse. Now, I had known her for years, you know, because I played hockey with her brother. And we were all good friends and everything. But there was something about that mouse outfit that just mm. 
all of a sudden, uh, you know, yeah, it's time to make right. a move, you know? So I said, uh, you know, I was up there talking to her, telling her how much I like her costume and everything. And uh, have you ever seen shark's teeth before? I got some shark's teeth out in the van that I'd love to show you if you've never seen shark's teeth before. And, uh, you know, the, the rest is history. She bought that line. and You got it with the sharks? I got to tell everybody, nothing happened that day. We just sat there on the couch looking at shark's teeth and talking. There was, Did you just, you know, no uh, two things come to mind. Uh, one, you got it. You got it with the shark's teeth uh, routine, huh? And two, uh, yeah. did you just cover yourself in case your kids listen to this podcast and nothing happened that night? <laughs> nothing did happen. She was a very good girl. She was, you know, Boston Irish yeah. Catholic. Yeah, I was lucky that uh, I was shocked that she wanted to go see the teeth. Personally. Yeah, I, I've never actually ever heard of a move like that before. Would you like to see the shark's teeth in my van? You'd like to see the shark's teeth in the van. Yep. <laughs> so what kind of what what'd you end up doing with that van? Well, you know the um, the, the other thing about having the van and you know using it for work and everything, carpeted van and floor sanding just don't go don't go together. You yeah, know what I mean, carpeted van. I really do. Floor. So um, yeah, yeah. So you know, I remember when she first got in there, she's like, what, you know, what's that smell? I go, oh, you know, there's a little lacquer thinner and, uh, and a little polyurethane. Yeah. I spilled some polyurethane over there. So it's kind of, you know, hardened up the carpet a little bit, but you know, that lacquer smell is, you know, it's kind of like an aphrodisiac. Of course. You know, me, you know? <laughs> so, uh, it was that van for his business and pleasure. It was awesome for camping too. God, I love that truck. Um, I bought a brand new Ranger boat one time, uh, twenty years ago or so, maybe longer than that. But it was a Cadillac. I mean, it was a three sixty one at the time, had a one seventy five Yamaha on it, and it was it was a it was a beautiful bass boat. And uh, but I hauled it with my work van, and. Um, one time I had these guys go fishing with me and uh, my one guy knows me, he knows my, my deal, whatever, but we brought another guy and, you know, work van's got two seats. So in the, he sat on a five gallon bucket on the, uh, in the back and I had sawdust bags in there and, you know, and then in the back at the time there was a wood filler called Coupon. They don't make it anymore. They're out of business, but it's a lacquer based product and it smelled to the high heavens. And, um, one of them had recently spilled over in the back of the van. You know, this guy gets in the thing. It's a three and a half hour drive to the lake. And uh, as we go around the windows, the, 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 one of the dust bags opens up and, uh, you know, there's dust flying all back there and it smells like lacquer, you know, and he's sitting on this rackety can. He's going back and forth. And uh, uh, I, I may have just ruined it. I may have ruined his fishing experience for his entire lifetime. Um. So yeah, I, I totally get the van experience. Um, some advice that I've seen that I've seen other people use after I got out of the trade and become highly successful with this is finding yourself a coach. Uh, I know guys that will uh, that will use coaches and um, and uh, in their business life and it has been re remarkably uh, successful for them. Uh, there's also there's groups of re like retired business owners you can Google and research. And I think if you could find yourself a mentor, I always think it's a shame when someone retires out of a business uh, 
and takes all that knowledge with him and 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 it's there's like a vacuum that left with him you know what i mean there's no you know it's made 60 years of business knowledge and a lot of these guys you know they're done they're they're not you know they're not working anymore and and would would like to mentor somebody and take the time to kind of teach people what they've learned over the years so i would seek out there 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 must be in every area uh I can't remember the name of them, but there's a group of them that in most areas that, that meet and they're, they're former business owners or retired business owners, and they're passing on their knowledge to other people. And I think as a young kid, I would love to have had that opportunity. So with the internet today, you can search these out. I wish I had the name of them. I don't, but, um, but I think getting yourself a coach or a mentor and um, you know, you can find a guy who's maybe it's in our, in our business. Who's a, you know, maybe a retail owner. He's in the last few years of his business and what have you and, and put your cards on the table and say, this is something that, you know, I don't have the business acumen that you do. And, and, uh, you know, maybe, a obviously not a direct competitor. It's not gonna, probably wouldn't give you the best advice, probably give you the kind of advice that my buddy gave me when I got my butt kicked in Germany. But, but, uh, finding yourself a coach, uh, or a mentor, I think would be huge for, for, for guys starting out i'm going to throw another one in there rob uh is i think you need to allow yourself to fail and don't be too hard on yourself to, for doing it um that's one thing about this trade is so hard at the hardwood floor trade is that it seems like every lesson comes at a high price you know when you learn no, i shouldn't have done that i didn't know that you talked about that one job that you didn't abrade between coats you know nothing comes easy you know everything seems to come at a high price but in order to to learn anything, I think you ha you have to accept a certain amount of failure, and don't kick yourself in the butt for having failed on on certain things. Uh, as long as you you take away something from it, you learn from it, and sometimes the best lessons are the ones because we screwed up. And um, allow yourself to do that, but by heaven's sake, don't make the same mistake twice. I mean, that that to me is the key. You learn from it, you talk about it you're open with your guys and, and, and you have good communication with each other. And, um, and then, uh, and you go from there. That's a good one. Very good advice. Sir. Two more pieces of advice I got. One of them is, is be great at what you do and then market the hell out of it. I think it's important. I think the marketing today is more important than it ever was in the past. It used to be that guys would just go to yellow pages and that's all you needed, you know, but uh, today, the marketing is all over the place with social media and Twitter and Instagram and those type of things. So I, I think probably the one of the best piece of advice I could I could give is be great at what you do, but then market the hell out of it. If you're the only one that knows you're that great, it's not going to really help you. Um, so I think uh, I think that's a, a great piece of advice. And my last piece of advice. Well, heck, I'm the Bona National Sales Manager. Use bone adhesives, right? There you go. I mean, the shear strength, the moisture protection, the 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 no waste. It cleans up so easy. Uh, yes, use bone adhesives. So, Rob, uh, in your in your classes with the guys you have uh, and all the training that you do, do you offer? Do you leave anybody with any advice, or uh, or you offer any advice in the classes? Yes, there's there's two huge things anybody who's been to my class in the last four years, I give two huge pieces of advice and I, I talk about it every single day during the class. One, it's almost Pauline's advice, make money. 
you're here to learn how to make money. I mean, there's all sorts of, you know, the books and the PowerPoints and the practicing and, and all that, but you really want to go to one of these schools and leave there with a two or three solid ways to make more money. That's why you're going to the school. Okay. Whether you're learning to do something and save a little time or a new niche or whatever, you will make more money at the end of those schools. You're going to leave there with some great advice. And not only here's the other, you know, the other half to that is I also tell guys, talk to everybody, be a sponge. Uh, I probably told the story before when uh, I went to my first NWFA class, uh, the company that you and I used to work with, they wanted to send me as a uh, trainer, but they said, before you can go as a trainer, you need to, uh, you need to attend as a student. And I thought, who the hell is going to teach me anything? You know, I, I've learned this from the best in the business. I'm so when I went to that class, I was kind of a jerk, you know, mm-hmm. everybody was doing everything wrong. There's only one way to do things. And, you know, I told the story a thousand times. I saw a guy from California, Buff Stana. And that's when the whole world opened up for me. So I tell everybody that story and everybody at the school, I say, talk to everybody, talk to all the instructors, talk to the students. You will leave here with some great information. And I think, you know, one of the things too is, um, tying the e-learning into that because we give so much information at these schools. I mean, I I tell guys, I want you to leave with two or three nuggets that's going to make you more money. But, you know, there's two or three nuggets in adhesives, you know what I mean, in each step of the way. So the e-learning, I think, is great to follow up, you know, because guys will leave with two or three, but they're going to think, geez, you know, what about those 47 others? And that's where the e-learning really kicks in and ties in with the schools and everything. Great advice, Rob. Yep. So Rob, I guess it, uh, I'm going to finish this episode off with a, a quote that I've, I've uh, written down many years ago and I, and I like it. And then I think it's germane to this, this uh, podcast. Um, and the quote is success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. There's a lot in there. Wayne, that is a deep quote. That's way too deep for you. I mean, I love you like a brother, but whose who's quote is that? I used to That's take awesome. credit for it, but now that with the internet and everybody can <laughs> fact check me, I have to say that uh, that's a Winston Churchill quote. I just watched Churchill the other day. No. Have you seen no. that movie, Churchill? Yes, a long time ago, yeah. Yeah. I didn't like it. I thought, um, I, it's funny you said you didn't like it because I wanted to love it. And I just thought there was a lot of close-ups of him smoking a cigar and blowing smoke for 10, 15, 30 seconds. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, he seemed like a troubled man, but he, what a leader. Well, one of my favorite quotes that I, I give everybody at school and, uh, a lot of floor guys have said to me that is the perfect floor man quote is there is no such thing as a perfect floor 
but trying to create that perfect floor, we will achieve excellence. Yep, I like it. I like it. Good job. And I think, I think uh, you know, I'd love to take credit for that one, but um, I think it was John Wooden, the basketball coach from. You know what? Uh, UCL. Yes, the Wizard of uh, Yeah, the Wizard of Westwood. I met him one time. Yeah. yeah, No way. UCLA game, Maples Pavilion. I think it was. Yeah. Um. All right. Good job, Rob. So that has been another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. Please stay tuned for another episode.